Okay, this is Josh T. Franco interviewing Guillermo Gomez Pena uh, at his home in San Francisco, California. It's September 11th, 2020, and this is for the Archives of American Art at the Smithsonian's Pandemic Project. Okay, Guillermo, we'll start with the first question as we try to document this year. Uh, how have you been doing since March? Hmm. Well, um, my wife, Balitornica, and I had to literally escape Mexico City in the middle of March, on the day the government forbade non-essential traveling, paradoxically on spring equinox. So we flew to Tijuana and walked into the U.S. It was very old school romantic, you know. We were welcomed by Balitronica's grandpa, Senor Ed, with a Lysol blessing. And suddenly, there we were in a liminal zone at my wife's family home in San Diego, living with 10 relatives and clumsily learning how to live under the pandemic, you know. I was going crazy. I badly needed my own San Francisco studio, where I am right now. But since we couldn't fly, I had to escape through my imagination and kind of began a survival blog. Mm. Essentially, I created a sci-fi scenario. I began to imagine that our new condition, the lockdown, was a durational performance art project. The metafiction was a worldwide alien pandemic created by the Chinese in cahoots with Trump Enterprises, the NSA, ICE, the British Secret Service, the Mossad, and we're mercenary scientists. And I was a self-styled performance survivalist living by myself inside a one-bedroom apartment in a densely populated city or a cabin in the woods or on my own inner Gilligan's Island. <laughs> you know, so in this not-so-fictional contest, my only contact with the outside was my old refurbished MacBook Air computer, but the Wi-Fi signal was very low, and my iPhone was a barrio cellular bought in Mexico's black market, both hardwired to my Serbian $10 mini speaker. <laughs> you know, it was a daily science fiction film. So I turned our Southern crisis into an art project. And the philosophical premise was something I believe deeply that art is a form of prognosis, a daily psychomagic act, a neuro-linguistic exercise to rewrite our reinvention script, so to speak, you know. So, um, after a month of voluntary house arrest, I began to go mad, loco. My extreme isolation forced me to rethink, remember, and language the before 
and after, in one-liners and blog poems. I was reminded of my last traverse myelitis attack, you know. And it was during those days in late March that I discovered Zoom. I hooked up with the Chicanos running the Democracy in America project, which you may be familiar with them. It's a series of virtual town meetings inspired by Alexis de Tocqueville's journey into the American character. So suddenly I began to broadcast my own philosophical rantings through a series of pirate Zoomcasts. And after a long, very long six weeks between homes, Balitronic and I got a couple of relatives to drive us back to San Francisco. It was the end of April, I believe. You know, the dates all bleed together these days. And soon after, George Floyd was murdered, the Black Lives Matter revolt began, and the pandemic was no longer my main concern. My writings and Zoomcasts were dealing with a new subject matter, systemic racism. How to explain to the quote-unquote white left the extent and dimension of our rage. How to begin to connect the dots between the history of colonialism and the collapse of their America. The dots between ancestral trauma and the current rage between my body, our bodies, the social body, and those of the perpetrators of violence. And I believe this is the task of the artist, a citizen engaged in the issues of our times. Yeah. Great, thank you. And during this time, how are you caring for yourself and your loved ones? Well, hmm. Well, parallel to these intellectual and artistic projects I was describing to you, like all my colleagues at the time, I became aware you know, that self-care and caretaking of my loved ones was also a priority. And perhaps, you know, I can best uh, explain you this by reading an excerpt of one of my blogs describing my desire to understand how to protect myself and my loved ones. At the time, I was exploring the overlapping space between panic politics, panic media, and everyday life. A ver. I quote. So, what to do? Wash your hands obsessively. Don't touch your face. Open doors with your shoulders, knees, and elbows. Do not leave your house unless it's absolutely necessary. But remember, your human needs 
might put you might put others in danger where a mask and globes do not loiter exist without a purpose anywhere in a public space especially when black brown native or openly visibly queer think of a curfew without soldiers yet house arrest in china or chile practice anti-social social and physical distancing stay six feet away from everyone especially white people they are all guilty until proven innocent if possible avoid all direct human contact try not to panic that the person at the store isn't wearing globes when they handle your food get rid of the thought that they may be your assassins spray your money and debit card with sanitizer before returning home spray yourself with lysol or clorox watch the news all day long google the statistics try to make sense out of them even if they contradict each other avoid all traveling especially across national borders don't drink alcohol yeah right don't visit your close friends homes don't share a joint with a friend much less a line of coke sanitize your hands before lighting your cigarette refrain from hugging your mother and grandmother take your temperature and the and your pulse three times a day take the temperature and the pulse of those living with you do not attend museums music concerts art openings book clubs bars or political demonstrations a no-brainer they weren't allowed do not attempt to connect the dots with other pandemics such as femicides racially motivated massacres or pervasive ecocide do not engage in conspiracy theories regarding the origin of the pandemic so then i began to think of the impact of the lockdown in my own mental health and the fear of covid 19 on the mental health of my loved ones. So I just want to quote one more paragraph of my blog. Mm -hmm. Rewrite your will obsessively. Try not to cry again. Don't panic, especially when you are experiencing panic. Pretend we're all performing in a sci-fi movie. Pretend we're all survivalists astronauts or zoom radio pirates pretend you're a tele -evan evangelist broadcasting your lonely truth from your own inner island wait for the symptoms to emerge write them down and please do not joke about it you might spontaneously combust while sleeping mm. so now you know that i read out loud this text i realize how paranoid it sounds and how much my own fears 
were intertwining with those of my relatives and friends. And humor saved me. We must continue to remember humor as a strategy, as a survival strategy, as a political strategy. I think that. Paranoia, my, this new feature of paranoia leads to the next question too. What has changed for you and your work during this time? Hmm. Well, in the absence of touring, mm -hmm. during this time, my troupe and I have gone 100% virtual. Everything we do, from solo to group performances, from classrooms, classroom visits, to our kind of legendary summer school, we have all done it online. We have truly embraced the virtual as a way to continue to engage with our multiple communities of difference, with our audiences, and also reach new ones. It's been an interesting journey across multiple borders. Just to give you an example, a participant, a participant from our first ever virtual international performance workshop, one that we hosted last month, she told us she had always wanted to attend a Pocha Nostra workshop, but was not able to due to a mental health condition, agoraphobia. And she was very thankful to be part of, of this virtual workshop. So we're noticing ways that new people can engage with our performance pedagogy at this time. And then other people who live in remote parts of the world, like in Argentina, Peru, Norway, Latvia, they have also mentioned that the virtual workshops made it possible for them to participate in this experience and, and especially to be able to afford it. So I, again, I want to refer to my blogs as a kind of a parallel memory. So let me read you an excerpt from a pedagogical text we used in our summer school that describes this new ethos of La Pocha Nostra. Sure. Dear cybernautas, orphans of two or more cultures, identities, and bodies, welcome to another impromptu pedagogical experiment an attempt to reinvent ourselves in times of pandemia, to bring performance poetry and critical thinking to our everyday lives in forced lockdown, to turn our homes into techno performance laboratories and to cross geographical borders with our cyber bodies. 
So, um, <clears throat> another important discovery during these times was the need to reboot our living archives. We have devoted this time to advancing an over, I don't know, 12 year project that we term the living archives. It's an extensive and wide ranging body of materials spanning 30 plus, like 35 years of interdisciplinary work. And our living archives now comprise a wide selection of, you name it, photo performance blogs, experimental films, audio art, performance documents, props, costumes. Mm -hmm. There is this interactive digital chronology on my website. <laughs> Guillermo Gomez Peña.com. And you may think of this website as a virtual portal into a wider body of work, one that is ever evolving. Right. And we simply couldn't have done this work without forced isolation. Mm. without this isolation generated by the pandemia. And for us, it's a very important project. You know, we hope that our living archives will inspire other experimental artists to engage in similar projects, to think of the artist as both theorist and archivist. Amazing. Um, speaking, referring to your isolation, the next question is about the space where you're isolated. Uh, how do you feel about it? And has your sense of home changed during this? Also, we're at the five minute mark now. Yeah, well, home is now our studio, this place where we are right now, and our studio is home. We're advocating that artists who are not currently able to be in their studio create one from wherever they are. We're also trying to explain to our alumni how to set up a home studio, you know, including having all their basic technical needs, props, costumes, art materials close by. So since Bali, my wife and I returned to San Francisco, me and my troupe immediately began gathering gear and advice for setting up our very own, how should I call it, kind of like barrio broadcasting station as one way to keep connected with our audiences and peers. So we now have in our own studio home in San Francisco, a true pocha low high tech pirate zoom video and audio station 
for a new era. Amazing. It's located literally in our dining room here where this interview is taking place. Amazing. And besides, you know, the basic electronics, we all have repurposed our costumes and props from the last 10 years. In fact, if you come back another time, we'll give you a virtual tour. <laughs> I look forward to it. But um, so to recap, over the past six months, we have hosted weekly events ranging from spoken word solos, poetry slams, salons, classroom visits, and a couple of international performance festivals. And as a collective, we have truly embraced the pedagogical and theoretical challenges related to how we can translate live art, experimental poetry, vernacular philosophy, and radical pedagogy to virtual space. And I believe this new art praxis will remain pertinent in the future, even when travel and touring gets normalized again. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The, the lessons learned is the final question, and we have about a minute left. Um, so what do you think is the most urgent lesson that we're learning or the most urgent memory we'll leave, that you'll leave this time with? Oh, yeah, yeah, in one minute. <laughs> well, all I can say is that I'm currently <coughs> rereading Chicano, Latin American, and Black authors who have dealt with the history of racism in the Americas. Mm. This intellectual exercise is informing my new writings. Mm. You know, uh, and it's, I would say, let's leave it here, Maestro Josh. I'm feeling self-conscious, confessional for my taste. I wonder if uh, this interview is going to be a defining document of my art and character. I think that we, sh we should stop here. Okay. Take a walk. Right. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm hitting stop now. Thank you, Guillermo.